I want to speak just for the next few moments about the miracle of worship. The miracle of worship. We've taught many times on worship, preached many times on worship, and virtually every service before we begin, we make an explanation of what worship is or a reading of psalms that expound on worship. And there is the literal definition, but just an overall all-encompassing definition to the word worship is what it means for me. It is a humble adoration of the object that you are focused on. You know, we have went through Greek and Hebrew. And so when the Bible talks about praise and worship and the different words, but just an overarching theme is there is an act of humility and adoration to the object of your affection, worship. And humanity typically worships what they see. It's why we read the struggle throughout history, the ages, and Scripture itself, the struggle, the battle of idol worship, because we are wired to worship an image. We are wired to worship an icon. God wired, though, his worship to be with the absence of image. We worship image. We worship what we see. It's why Paul had to instruct to the church in Corinth. Listen, guys, we walk by faith, not by sight. Stop being sight driven. Stop being visually driven. Stop being focused and letting something become the object of your worship. When God is a spirit, God is invisible. And they that worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Peter said in chapter 1, verses 7 through 9, as he speaks about the trial of our faith, how it's much more precious than that of gold that perishes. And though it's trial with fire, it is to be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. There is a God. His name is Jesus. He is spirit, but the Bible says he was made in the image, in the likeness. Man was made in the image and in the likeness of God. Though he is a spirit, though he is invisible, there is a nature of God. There is an image, but God never allowed humanity to see that image because he said you would see it and you would worship it. And he also said if you saw it in its fullness, you would die. You would not be able to. That's why he forbade Moses from seeing the glory of God and hid him behind the cleft of a rock. But one day we will appear before Jesus and he will appear before his church and he will reveal himself. It is at that time when we exit mortality and become immortal, exit the temporal and enter into the eternal that we then will be able to have a glorified body that God gives us to be able to see him in his fullness. In verse 8, Peter goes on to say, In whom have not seen you love, in whom though now you see him not, yet believe. It is amazing as he tells the church because Peter got to see Jesus. The reason why he was able to see Jesus is because there was the veil, the flesh concealed the glory of God. So he did not see the fullness of God. Though the Bible says in Colossians chapter 2 and in verse 9, in Jesus dwelt the fullness of the Godhead bodily. All of God, not part of God, was in Christ is what the scripture teaches us. But it was a veil, a curtain that allowed people to look on 
the humanity of Jesus, but they did not see the fullness of his express person image with with within. But it says, whom now we have not seen you love, though ye see him not yet believe. They were a church that never saw Jesus physically, but Peter did. And Peter was in admiration saying, it's amazing that you love what you have not seen and you believe what you have not seen. And so in verse nine, you will receive the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. In John 20, verse 24 through 29, Jesus, after he resurrects from the dead, there was one named Thomas of the 12 disciples. And he was not with the rest of the disciples when Jesus revealed himself as the resurrected one to the rest of them. And the other disciples said unto him, we have seen the Lord. But he says to his friends, except I see in his hands the print of the nails. And unless I put my finger into the print of those nails and thrust my hand into the spear that went into his side, I will not believe. He had this conditional faith, unlike the church Peter preached to in just a a moment ago, that they never saw, yet they believed. But Thomas said, I won't believe it unless I see it. And eight days passed by, his disciples were within, and Thomas was with them. And Jesus comes, and the doors were shut. And he appears in the midst of them, and he says, Peace be unto you. Thomas, reach hither your finger. And behold my hands. Reach hither your hand and go ahead and and thrust it into my side where that spear was. Be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord, the supreme being in authority, and my God. It's a revelation that Thomas has that he had not Before he heard all of the teaching of Jesus as he revealed himself and revealed his plans to the apostles. But it was in this moment the revelation comes and strikes him that Jesus is not just the anointed one, the Messiah. He's more than a man. He's more than a teacher, more than a preacher, more than a prophet. He is my Lord and my God. The equivalent, we're reading it here, and it's just in the English, but he is literally, when he's saying kurios, the word for Lord, he is saying Jehovah. He's saying, you are the Father. You are God. You're not just part of God. You are God. It's not Jesus and God. It's Jesus is God. He's not God Jr., God the lesser. He is God, he begins to decree this and declare this truth in that moment. And Jesus does not rebuke him or try to correct him because he is correct in what he says. And he says, because you have seen me, Thomas, you believe. But blessed are they that have not seen, yet have believed. Here we are 2,000 years later, and not a person has seen Jesus, the resurrected body. None of us have seen God and lived, and yet we're in this room and we believe. It is a modern-day miracle. Some people may declare it to be insane or ignorant. But why do we believe, and why are we worshiping the one that we have never seen? Romans 1.16, Paul says, look, we have no reason to be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. 
Because what we believe is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, the Jew and also the Greek. And therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. But the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. This is why we preach and teach godliness and holiness. The wrath of God is against ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold truth in unrighteousness. You could you can have the truth. You can have a Bible in hand, but how are you holding it? You could hold it in unrighteousness. I want to hold the truth in righteousness. Someone say amen. Because that which may be known of God, I need you to listen to this next few moments here. That which may be known of God is manifest in them. You have not seen God, but God put something about him in you. And God reveals himself to you. It is what you would call a conscience. It's the intangible, the invisible, that somehow, someway, every mortal being has one. Science cannot capture it, cannot find it. It can only guess and speculate and come up with its own rationale and reasoning and, and, and draw its various conclusion. And no one has a unanimous arriving point. But the reality is that God reveals to us his existence by putting something of his being inside of us. It's not that we are filled with the spirit of God, but it's a consciousness that he gives us a conscience to discern what is right and what is wrong. Even the book of Proverbs says a child knows whether his doings are right or wrong. A child somehow, some way can look at you and know, uh Oh, and you haven't even addressed the rule yet. You, he hasn't even learned the language barrier yet. It's amazing how God put that inside of people. But it goes on to say in verse 20, the invisible things of God, for he is a spirit and he is invisible from the creation of the world are clearly seen. He says, you can see the reality of a visible being from the vantage point of creation. From creation, you can see there is an intelligent designer. That this, nobody in this room in their right mind would pick up this iPhone and say, man, that just must have randomly collected itself together through some cataclysmic occasion and occurrence and, and a tornado or a monsoon or a hurricane swept through and boom, it just came together just like that with program and everything. No, we would understand that somebody took the time, somebody with a little knowledge and know-how through the course of time and wisdom and understanding, put this device together. And so it is with creation. If you are seeing through the filter in which God instilled inside of you before it becomes corrupted, uh, corrupted and corroded and jaded by the course of this world in the uh, rudiments of this world, you will begin to think this came from something from somewhere. And it's not just random. There's just no way. But all of a sudden now we find ourselves in a world that could arrive at the conclusion that God does not exist. God is not real. If he is real, where is he? Why don't we see him? Why don't we hear him? And it says, God, everything that's known of him, he shows it through the invisible things that are of him through the creation of the world are clearly seen. Being understood by the things that are made. The material helps you to see the immaterial. The visible helps you to see the invisible. Even his eternal power 
and God. And not just the majesty, but that there is one. There is this God, this deity, so that they are without excuse. It says every single person has the opportunity to contemplate the existence, the reality of God. And in that moment, they are to carefully consider what the answer means. If I say there is a God, then where is he? Who is he? Can I talk with him? Can I engage him? What are his rules, regulations, what are his interests, disinterests, likes, dislikes? What, what is this God? Who is this God? And then it goes on into a spiraling of different discussions and thoughts and theology. But ultimately, there is a God. And God put a conscience inside of all of us because he says, you will be without excuse. You will come to a conclusion. Will you pursue this God or will you not pursue this God? Will you just follow in the tracks of what everybody else around you is doing? Or will you find him for yourself? Are you interested in meeting and talking and discovering who this God is? And it says in verse 21, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. And they were not thankful and became vain in their imagination, foolish in their heart. Their heart became darkened. And they thought they were real wise, real smart because they came to their own conclusion about God. But in that venture and journey straying away from God, they did not become wise. They became fools. And they changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, birds, beasts, creeping things. And so God says, fine, if that's what you want, I'll give you over to your uncleanness, the lust of your heart. And I'll let you pursue your passions, the dishonoring, the perversion of yourselves with your bodies between uh, this, this path that you decide to choose that is against God, opposing God. And you change the truth of God into a lie and you worship and serve the creature more than the creator who is blessed Forever. Amen. God in this scripture, he uses the natural to reveal the spiritual. What the eye sees influences what the spirit believes. When you look at something, you have the opportunity to engage the object that you look with your mind and begin to consider where did it come from? What is its starting point? What was before it? How did it come to be? Where did the material come from? Where did the property come from? Where did all these elements appear? How did that happen? When did it happen? God provides the natural to help your mental engage the spiritual and the invisible and to contemplate and consider these thoughts and what your eye sees influences what the spirit your person innermost being begins to believe and it's one of the reasons Jesus would go forth and he would heal people Jesus would go forth and heal people in the physical because he was wanting people to see something in the spiritual he was wanting them to connect the dots between the natural and the supernatural the physical and the spiritual the visible 
visible and the invisible. They saw a visible Jesus. But all of a sudden Jesus would speak proclamations that they only heard their forefathers speak in the Old Testament, in the scripture. That Yahweh would begin to declare. And who but God can forgive sins. And who but God can calm the sea. And Jesus would perform the supernatural to help people to connect the natural and the supernatural to Jesus. And the Bible says in John 2, 23, he's in Jerusalem at the Passover in the feast day. And many believed in Jesus's name when they saw the miracles which he did. First Thessalonians 5, 23, it says the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, completely make your total complete person pure and clean. And I pray God, your whole spirit, soul, and body. We've taught on this before that you are more than the physical. You are spirit, soul, and body. That is why we preach to the spirit, the soul, and the body. We are not a cherry picking church where we just pick one element of the scripture to preach to. We want to preach the full counsel of God to address, to make sure that you are sanctified wholly and completely in the spirit, in the soul, and in the body. Be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Until Jesus returns, we are responsible for the spirit, the soul, and the body. Until Jesus, we can say, well, I've already prayed my prayer. I'm done. I'm good. No, no, no. He says, until Jesus appears, it is up to you to make sure that you present your whole spirit, soul, and body blameless unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this spirit, soul, body is like a tight-knit braid, so interwoven that one affects the other. One cannot be affected without the other feeling it. You pull on one of the strands of that braid, it tucks the other two as well. Kind of like you could wake up and you look outside, and before you even look outside, you just feel crummy. You, know, you ever wake up and be like, man, I just feel bleh. And you open the blinds to let a little sun in, and there's no sun. Usually when you wake up at the crack of noon, it is a big, bright, vibrant bulb at the peak of the sky. But it's overcast, gray. And somehow, even before you saw it, you knew it. It was just a blah day. Because spirit, soul, body, the natural affects the spiritual. Did anyone wake up today and open your blinds and you're just like, you just felt bland. You felt like down, weary, something's off. And it's just like the weather somehow, some way affects your mind. And the natural affecting the mental now begins to impact the spiritual because now when you might have been excited to pray and might have been excited to worship, might have been excited to come to church, now you don't feel so excited because the absence of the sun has all of a sudden clouded the mind and affected the thinking. And now that the, the weather's this way and now that your thought process is this way, now all of a sudden your spirit is that way. The miracle is like a portal. The miracle of the physical opens the door to the spiritual. When Jesus would begin to perform a miracle, it opened 
doors for there to be teaching, for there to be doctrine, for there to be a message to go forth in that moment. It's why Jesus, it says, when Jesus performed the miracles, the people believed in him. The Bible says in Hebrews 4.12 about the word of the Lord. The word of God is alive and it is powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder, check this out, of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow. You could say the soul, the spirit, and the body, just like we read in Thessalonians. And it is a discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. The word is so powerful, but it is also extremely precise. It can divide the soul, the spirit, and the body. When we can't seem to differentiate the three. Because we wake up and we feel crummy because it's a naturally bad day. It's an overcast day. It's a downpour day. It's a gray day, which tends to be the number one day we are blessed with in South Dakota. Overcast in wind and just horrible breeze of cold air over and over again. Is it any wonder why there is such great weariness and depression in this region? Is it any wonder why there's high intoxication and addiction to alcohol and substance abuse in this region is because all of a sudden when one arena is impacted, it affects the other arenas at well. And when you do not have the truth and you don't know how to rightly divine the truth, you give yourself over to what you feel. You give yourself over to what you see. And now you become that downcast person, that downtrodden person, that depressed person, that miserable person, that oppressed feeling that we get so acquainted with. But the word of God is so powerful, it can divide, it can differentiate, it can distinguish spirit, soul, body, the joints, the marrow. It cuts with precision to the nth degree. And it is why Jesus used his word to minister and to heal. Jesus was the word made flesh in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld that glory as of the only begotten of the father the word was manifest the word came to earth and the word began to speak to the spirit to the soul and to the body all of a sudden he addressed the body the people that that were sick in body, weary in body, disturbed in body. He would speak the word over that body. And the moment he spoke the word to the body and the body experienced the supernatural, miraculous power of God, a door was now opened. A portal was now open for them to see there is spirit and there is soul. Look, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness and peace and joy and the whole flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. And so Jesus addressed the flesh and the blood so he can open up to the spirit and to the soul. Matthew eight sixteen and 17, the even was come and they brought him many that were possessed with devils and he cast out those spirits with what his word. It was his word 
that healed all that were sick. It was his word that healed all that were oppressed of the devil. It's the power of the word. The number one thing, the way that God speaks to me is through his word. If you do not have a daily Bible reading life, if you do not have daily devotion, you need to get that daily word inside of you. That word will help you to distinguish what is spirit, what is soul, and what is body. That word will cut right down to the very discerning of your thoughts and help you to understand where is this thought coming from? What is the source of this thought? Is it spirit? Is it soul? Is it body? What is affecting my mind? What is infiltrating my mind? What is the source of it? This word will dissect it and discern it and reveal it to you. And so he speaks the word and heals all that are sick. So it could be fulfilled that was spoken by the word, the Isaiah, the prophet saying he took our infirmities. He bore our sicknesses. Jesus began to fulfill the prophecies and the promises about him. And we now read in Matthew 10, 1, he calls his 12 disciples and he gives them power against unclean spirits to cast them out. And he heals all manner of sickness and he heals all manner of disease. There's nothing too hard for our God right now. Whatever, whatever sickness, whatever disease, all manner of sickness, all manner of disease, he is more than able. He anoints and appoints his 12 to go forth and to bring about these healings against these diseases and sicknesses. And he says in verse 7, he goes, as you go, I want you to preach. I want you to say, I want you to speak that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And the kingdom of heaven that is at hand, it means that right now, the 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 nearness of his return, the nearness of the message of the kingdom, the will of the kingdom, the, the, the mindset, the law of the kingdom is at hand and it is to heal the sick. It is to cleanse the leopards. It is to raise the dead. It is to cast out devils and you've received this freely. So must we must give it freely. What you and I have has been a gift from God. And God doesn't want you to be selfish with the gift that he gave you. He says he gave you this gift so you can go give it to someone else. God gave you the Holy Ghost so you can reach someone else that needs the Holy Ghost. God gave you a miracle so you can reach someone else that needs a miracle. God gave you truth so you can reach someone else that needs the truth. We ought to make sure that we are freely giving the healing was revealing what was soon to come. It was the kingdom of heaven that was at hand. Jesus, these miracles that are performed are to help indicate to people that the kingdom's nigh. The kingdom's nigh. The kingdom's nigh. The kingdom of heaven is at hand and the kingdom is coming and so is your healing. How can we access this realm we read about today? We're talking about the miracle of worship. Matthew nine eighteen and 19. He spake these things to them, and behold, there came a certain ruler. There came a certain ruler, and he worshipped him. This ruler worshipped Jesus. He says, my daughter's dead. Come lay your hand upon her, she shall live. And Jesus arose and followed him. The ruler was following after Jesus. But after he worshiped Jesus, the ruler followed after him. Or Jesus followed after the ruler. He went forth. That ruler went seeking out Jesus. And he began to worship Jesus. 
And after he worshiped Jesus and began to speak to him, Jesus followed him the direction he was going and what he was praying about and what he wanted. If you want the access to the miracle, the access to that realm is in worship. When we follow after Jesus and worship him, Jesus will get up and follow after where you're wanting to go. And that is to your need. He will meet your need when you meet him with worship. He will meet your need when you meet him with praise and adoration. He followed after Jesus. He lifted his hands. He lifted his voice and he cried out to him and began to tell him what his need was. And Jesus said, all right, you drew nigh to me. I'm going to draw nigh to you. Let's go to what needs the miracle. Let's go to where the need is in Matthew chapter eight in verse two, there came now a leper and the leper worshiped him. He said, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Jesus put forth his hand. He touched him. He said, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. He worshiped and asked God's will. He worshiped him and said, God, if you will. And after he worshiped God, God said, I will. See, worship gives you access to the will of God. Worship is the pathway to God performing the promise and the miracle. He worshiped and asked God if he will. And God received that worship and said, I will. The miracle of worship is that if you would do it, if you would worship God in your condition, you worship God in your situation, you follow after God in worship, God will follow after you with a miracle. If you pursue God in worship, God will See, look, the Bible says, we just read it in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 18. There came a certain ruler. And we just read it in Matthew 8 too. There came a leper. There came a ruler and there came a leper. Doesn't matter if you're a ruler and doesn't matter if you're a leper. You still got to worship him. We all have needs. Whether you got money in the bank or whether you're flat broke. Whether you're on the upper crust of society or you're looking up at the bottom. I'm telling you, ruler or leper, you still got to worship him. Healthy or not, you still got to worship him. And everyone that went after him and everyone that worshiped him found their miracle. Matthew 15, 22 through 28. A woman of Canaan comes out the same coast and she cries unto him saying, have mercy on me, Lord, son of David, my daughter. She's vexed with the devil. But he answers her not a word. Look at the disciples. They beseech Jesus. Send her away. She's crying after us. And he answers. He says, look, I'm not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He's talking to the disciples. They said, Jesus, she's crying after us. Get her off her back. And Jesus says, okay, okay. Goes to verse twenty five, or, or he says, "Look, I'm not, I'm not going to address this situation. She's not part of Israel. It's not time. This is not the moment. Just leave it alone." But in verse twenty five, she came and worshipped him. 
she was crying after the disciples for Jesus to do something. And the disciples said, hey, get her off her back. And he doesn't answer her a word. But when she starts crying after him, and she begins to worship him, now he answers. Now he speaks. Now, I didn't really like the answer the first time. It's not meat to give the children's bread to the dogs. She did not fight that statement. She understood that she really is a dog. When she cried after them, she got no answer. But when she worshiped Jesus, she got an answer from him. Maybe not the answer she wanted. But you see, your answer is in your worship. You could keep crying to pastor. You keep crying to your mom. You cry to your spouse. And you don't hear a word from Jesus. Hoping your spouse will bring you what you're looking for. Hoping that your children will bring you what you're looking for. Hoping your job will bring you what you're looking for. But not until she cried after Jesus. Then he answered her. And the answer was not a compliment. It was just the reality. You're not worthy. And when she got the revelation of who she was, she didn't reject it. She says, true. Look at verse 27. True. I'm not worthy. But even a dog can find a crumb at the master's table. That's all I want, Jesus. I'm not worthy, but I'll take anything I can get from you. And Jesus says, your faith is so great. Be it unto thee, even as you will. God's will aligned with her will. Because she had a will to worship. Do you, do I, do we have a will to worship? Is there a fight inside of you to worship when everything's fighting against you? When you look at the natural and the natural affects the spirit and the body and all of a sudden you're held hostage, those braids tighten, the cord tightens and there's a restriction to worship. But if the Spirit can find a will to worship, if the Spirit can find a will, instead of taking your body to everybody else and saying, I, this is my problem, this is my situation, and you're crying after the counselor, you're crying after the preacher, you're crying after the minister, why don't you cry after the God that created you and say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I'm desperate for you. And all of a sudden, an answer will come. Matthew 18, 23 through 27 the kingdom of heaven's like to a certain king that took account of his servants. And he began to count the money that he gave them or, or that they owed him. And he found this man owed 10,000 talents. And that man had nothing to pay what he owed his master. So the master says, well, your children, your wife, everything you had, it's going to be is going to be taken from you until you make that payment. And the servant falls down. And worships him. He begins to worship him and say, give me patience. I'll, I'll pay you all. I'll pay you all. But that Lord knew that he could not pay at all. But he was moved. The Lord as servant was moved with compassion. And he released him and forgave him all the debt. This servant was drowning 
in debt, a debt he could not owe, a debt that he was drowning in. But when he began to worship, he found himself swimming in forgiveness. He found himself in the sea of forgetfulness, as it were. He found himself at a place that if I can just fall down and worship the one that I owe everything to. Is there someone in this room right now that you owe God everything and you have a debt that you could not pay. God doesn't want your money. God doesn't want all this fancy stuff. God just wants your worship. And if you would just fall down and worship the master who you owe everything to, the master will do so much more than you've ever bargained for. He will loose you. He will release you. And he will pardon all the debt that you have accrued. Lord, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Right now I'm telling you, if you would worship there's a miracle in worship. It's found in forgiveness. The greatest miracle of all is that Jesus can forgive you of every single sin. I'm speaking to a person in this room right now. I'm speaking to a multitude of people in this room right now. You are tightly braided and you are so affected by the two elements of that cord right now. A threefold cord you are in this room and your spirit is being tightened by the physical. Your spirit is being tightened by your surrounding. But there can be a loosing as Jesus said in your worshiping. Stop giving in to what you feel and give your to worship when you worship the most high he will heal he will release he will save he will hallelujah 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 like would everyone lift their hands right now would you lift your voice lift your hands lift your hands lift your hands lift your voice Come on right now. It's the miracle of worship. It's the miracle of worship. It's the miracle of worship. I choose to worship. I will worship. I will bless the Lord at all times. Your praise will continually be in my mouth. Hallelujah. Ha, ha, ha. Hallelujah. Worship will bring the greatest miracle of all, and that is salvation. I I pray, I believe with you that God's going to heal your body. Yet miracle that you need is found in worship. But the greatest miracle you can find in worship is the pardoning of every sin that is in your soul right now. And that sin is what has affected your mind. It's your sin that's affected your body. It's that sin that's affected your life. And when God forgives you, you may not come out of that wheelchair. But I promise you this right now. Your faith and your feet are going to collide. And you're going to find something to walk on. It's a faith that is greater than any other healing you can get. It's found in worship. And when you worship, there is abundant mercy and abundant grace. Now, Mark chapter 5, I'm hurrying, I'm hurrying. Verses 2 through 9, he comes out of that ship and there's a man from the tombs with an unclean spirit dwelling among the tombs. No man could bind him. No, not even with chains. 
so often bound with fetters and chains and he would break them asunder in pieces. Nobody can tame him night and day in the mountains, in the tombs, crying, cutting himself. I'm telling you, a a cutting spirit, a suicidal spirit is anything but the Holy Spirit. If you find that depressing spirit that's trying to cut your life short, you're, you're, you're delving in the thought world of why even try. I might as well just quit. I might as well give up. Look, that is not God. That is not God. It is a tormenting spirit that's trying. That torment, he was in the tombs, cutting yourself. That spirit wants to put you in the grave, but God wants to take you out of that grave. God wants to give you the power of the resurrection of the Holy Ghost. Hear me. That depressing spirit that's on you. That's affecting that threefold cord right now in the name of Jesus. I pray God that there would be life here today. I pray life. I speak life. I speak healing. I speak hope right now in the name of Jesus. Mm. Ah. And gee, he saw this man with the cutting spirit, this suicidal spirit, this tormenting spirit sees Jesus afar off. But that's where people make the mistake. They think Jesus is too far, so they have to end it. But Jesus is not too far off if you would just run and worship him. You might be far from Jesus, but what matters is how you respond when you see Jesus. If you're far, get to running. If you're far, get to worshiping. The lesson here is the quicker you worship Jesus, the quicker you'll be delivered. That man said, I can't wait any longer. I don't want to walk to Jesus. I got to get there as fast as I can because I'm about to be in this grave that I've been living in. I'm about to be in buried in this ground because I've been cutting myself living in torment, but I got to run to Jesus. I got to get there. I got to move. I got to do something. Look right now. You may not know how it's all going to work out, but just start running to Jesus. Just start running to Jesus. And when you run, begin to worship Jesus. Any positive thing that can flow out of your mouth towards him, that'll do. That'll do. You don't have to have the perfect prayer. You don't have to have all your words figured out. You just got to come running to Jesus and say, I love you. I need you. I'm desperate. Heal me. Deliver me. Save me. And Jesus will do just that. Uh, You may have heard the story, but if not, what happens from here is this man, he comes to Jesus and he, he asks the man, what, what, what is that name of the spirit you have? He's begging that he be delivered. And that devil responded, legion, for we are many. He had many spirits, many issues, many vexing things going on in his world. But one worshiper outnumbers a legion of resistance. And your worship will defy the odds. The odds are a legion against you. You're not going to break alcohol. You're not going to break nicotine. You're not going to break your sexual addiction. You're not going to break that crazy addiction to lying. And you're not going to break that element that you are bound under. But one worshiper can defy the odds of a legion of statistics that are against you. With you and your worship to God, you are the majority and you are the projected 
anointed winner. There is a win that is coming your way when there's a worship going to him. When there's a worship and a praise going to Jesus, a victory is coming down to you. If you would just lift your hands for a moment right now and you begin to worship Jesus. Come on, would you run to Jesus and worship him? Would you run and worship to Jesus? I worship you, Jesus. I bless you, Jesus. I magnify you, Jesus. I lift you up, Jesus. I love you, Lord. The moment worship quickened the mind and what to speak today, I already knew. I, I already knew. Because anytime a resistant spirit surfaces, have you been around here long enough? We, we taught on this. It's amazing. Teach on the love of God, and you're going to fight against something. You would think that's the thing everybody would be excited about, you know. There's no fear in love. Fear has torment, but perfect love casts out fear. So when you're talking about love, there's going to be a tormenting spirit that comes. Submission is another big one. Talk about submission, man. You want to talk, you're addressing a spirit in the area that's going to surface here. Big time. Big time. Another one would be the oneness of God. When you talk about who Jesus is, this area, it's, it's a stronghold. Know it every t- anytime God says this is what I want you to speak, I'm like, oh, I'll have me go get my gloves. I already know. I already know. And worship. Same, this is a worshiping church. But it has taken a fight to get there. And there is still a fight in the room. When we're just talking about, I love you, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. I know there's a good number in this room worshiping, but there's a good number still just staring at me. And, you know, I, I can't twist your arm and kick you in the jaw to make you worship because that would that's, be quite uncomfortable and awkward. And I'd go to pray at prison or jail. But you know what? Think about what you're being asked to do. Worship the creator that has forgiven you, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. But see, the spirit of this area is so good Helping you to be so in tune with the spirit, the body, and the soul. Where it's just one tug on one of those braids, it kills the other ones. That's all it takes is waking up to a sunless day. Waking up to, you know, some event that's bothering you. And then all of a sudden you come into the house of God and just... Worship. The miracle of worship is that when you worship, the miracle comes. When they ran to Jesus and worshiped, all of a sudden, boom, the man was set free. He was delivered. He was found in his right mind. In John chapter 9, verse 35 to 30, I'm just about done. Three portions of scripture. I'm wrapping it up. Jesus heard that they cast him out. Basically, this is a blind man. Jesus healed. And they didn't like the fact that Jesus was the source of the healing. The man wouldn't denounce Jesus. 
So they kick him out of the temple. And Jesus finds him, and he asks him the question, do you believe on the Son of God? The man answers, says, who is he, Lord, that I may believe on him? And Jesus says to the blind man, you have seen him, and it is he that talks with you. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Now, worship typically is the pathway to the promise as we've been teaching here. Worship God and the miracle will come. When you read this story, this man didn't worship Jesus. He didn't cry out for Jesus. It was just basically a conversation of like, who sinned, this guy or his ma, his pop, that he's born blind? Who, who did it? And Jesus said, that's not, that's not why he's blind. And then he performs the miracle. Like the guy's just like a bystander, just chilling. They're like, ah, see, 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 pastor, I don't have to worship to get my miracle. I can just sit there blind as a whatever is blind. What's blind? A bat and a bat. Blind as a bat. I can just sit there like a bat and a sloth colliding. Ain't going to get me to do nothing. Fine, I'm not, I'm not going to get you to do nothing. This is my scripture right here. This is, my, this is my memory verse. I don't got to worship to get my miracle. He didn't worship till after the miracle. Worship usually comes before your miracle. But it sometimes comes after. But don't let it be never. The best thing to do is, I don't see him, but I'm going to worship him. I, 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 I don't hear him, but I'm going to worship him. That, that's the, I, I feel nothing, but I'm going to worship him. That's the high, highest level of worship. And that's the blessing Jesus was trying to help communicate to Thomas. You are saying, my Lord and my God you're worshiping me because you see me. But I say there's a blessing when people don't see me, don't feel me, and I'm still their Lord and God, and they still worship me. Peter turns to the church, and he tells that church, he says, man, you guys are going through the trial of your life. It's like gold being tried through the fire. And you believe, yet you don't see him, and you've never seen him, yet you're still going through the fire worshiping him. That's awesome. Peter was envious. He's just like, man, I, I had to see Jesus to do this, but you guys, you're next level. You're next level. And you have the opportunity as a 21st century church to be next level faith that the apostles didn't get to experience. And that is to worship him without seeing him. To begin to declare who he is and your love for him. And you may have been brought to the church like this blind man. You didn't pursue him. You didn't seek him. You just happened to be there. And someone's talking about you. And you're like, I wonder why he's blind. Jesus says, well, here, let me use an object lesson. I'm going to use you as an object lesson. And heal him. Spits on the guy. Puts mud in his eyes. And heals him. But the man, after he talked to Jesus, worshipped him. That's what the key is right now. If you've experienced any miracle in your body, and if you experience the greatest miracle of your soul, 
worship him. Don't just look back to a moment way back when of what you used to be and what you used to do in that moment you had with God 20 years ago, 10 years ago. How about today? Is he still good today? Is he still awesome today? Is he still wonderful today? The miracle of worship is when you worship, all of a sudden your miracle comes. But if your miracle's already come, you can still worship him. Just worship him. Matthew eight fourteen. last two scriptures, I'm done. It's 1237. Jesus comes to Peter's house. He sees his wife's mother laid sick with a fever. Jesus touches her hand. The fever leaves her body. What does she do? She rises up and ministers to them. And that's what your miracle is meant for. Your miracle is meant for you to get up and minister. Is there anyone that wants to get up today? Is there anyone that wants to stand up to your feet today and you're ready to minister? Or are you all just going to sit and stare at me? Does anyone want to get up today? Does anyone want to get up today and minister? If you want to get up for just a moment and lift your hands and minister, whatever your fever was, whatever your sickness was, if you've only been healed once in your body, it's still worth a worship. If it's been a long time, I wonder if there's somebody right now, you realize he got me on my feet. He healed my body. He healed me so I can get up and I can minister. And right now I am going to minister before the King. I'm going to minister before the Lord. I'm going to minister before my Savior. I will praise Him. I will magnify Him. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Ah, ah, ah. I read our last scripture and we're going to worship James chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. I ask this question like the apostle asked this question. Is there any among you afflicted? Is there anyone in this room afflicted right now? Let him pray. Are you in a good mood? Well, man, God bless you. That's awesome. Sing some songs. Is there any sick among you? Let's call for the elders of the church and let's pray over him. Anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. Here's the physical. Here's what they're praying for. But see... When everything comes together, God will do more than just raise you up from your sickness. If you've committed sins, they can be forgiven you as well. That's why we confess our faults one to another. We pray one for another that we may be healed. And the effectual fervent prayer, effective prayer is passionate prayer by right living. And it prevails quite frequently. So interwoven, rarely is one affected and not the other. And that's why it's so powerful when you begin to worship God. All of a sudden, he'll heal that body. And in that healing, there's like, it's almost like he's like a holy chiropractor. There's like this alignment that takes place. And all of a sudden, you just, everything just cracks in your whole body. And you're like, whoa. And the reaction is just marvelous. And it's just like your body was sick. And all of a sudden, now that he addresses the ailment in the body, 
This joy comes from the process of what he just did in your body. Because they're so interwoven together. They're so connected. And when somebody begins to worship, God begins to heal. And in the process of saving the body, he also wants to save the soul. There is a saving of the soul that is present in this room right now. There's also a saving of the body that's present in this room. And the saving of your body will breathe the saving of your spirit. Because there's some people that have been bowed over with a spirit of infirmity. But I'm telling you, if you would just worship, Jesus will say, Thou art loosed from thy infirmity. But it comes with a worship. The miracle of worship. When you begin to worship, it is an open portal to the miraculous. The reason why you are feeling the need to not do what I'm saying is what you should do is because it is a spirit. And it's, I mean, I could get a thermometer right now and just kind of pop it in the air. And I, I pull it out of the air. Lukewarm. What, what, what is God's remedy for that? Can we lift our hands? And I'm not saying you have to scream, blood curdle, cry. But there ought to be a pouring out of your heart to Jesus right now. As genuine as you can worship God by faith. The feeling of infirmity that is upon you right now. There is a spirit of infirmity in this room right now. But if you would worship abandon. If you would just will to worship. The miracle will manifest. It's found in your worship. Come on. Would somebody will to worship in this moment right now? Would you just worship Jesus because you love him worship Jesus because he is good and his mercy endures forever I work that's it let there be a lifting of the voice right now let there be a lifting of the voice right now don't wor- forget about how you feel worship him because he's good forget about what you feel worship him because he's awesome Jesus I declare right now that the windows of heaven are open upon this congregation and Lord in their worship there is a miracle in worship therein lies a miracle right now I declare it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ not by my might and not by my power but by the spirit of the living God. I declare there to be healing in this room right now. I declare there to be a miracle right now. Hey! Come on, worship. Come on, there's a miracle right now. Come on, there's a deliverance right now. There's a deliverance for you right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I praise you. I worship you. I magnify you. I lift you up. Lord, I come against that cutting spirit. I come against that tormenting spirit that's crying out, Lord, in the graveyard. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Run and worship. Run and worship. If you've got a tormenting spirit, Run to Jesus and worship.
worship him right now. There is life at the Messiah's feet. There is life at the Savior's feet. Worship. Come on, lift him up, lift him up, lift him up. Hallelujah, hallelujah. That's it. The sun's breaking through. The sun is breaking through. Come on, those beams of light are radiating through those dark clouds over your mind right now in the name of Jesus. Yes, yes. Yes, yes, Mesatatake, Mosotoketa, Mesototakatarabehe. Hallelujah. Go ahead and lift him up. Lift him up, church. Let there be a lifting of the voice.